0: Hey, welcome in. The Arrowhead Attic Podcast back again. And speaking of being back again, Matt Verteram, still at the end of his vacation, but he's here. He's back uh, after two weeks of letting me run roughshod around this place, causing all kinds of fires. You got to come back and clean up the mess. How you doing, buddy? How's the vacation?
1: Oh, it's still going. It is still going. I am going home uh, tomorrow, driving 13 hours, but uh, it's been great. It's been great. I'm looking out at the lake right above the computer right now, and I will miss this place. But uh, I, I am very thankful to have been out here for almost a month, really. Uh, good on Josh Hill, our scheduling manager, who, uh, who allowed this to happen. So good for him.
0: Yeah, the place is not in flames. It's still still managed to run without you. That's a little bit surprising, but uh, we we <laughs> did what we could. You got a nice background back there. Is that a Casey beer you're drinking? I wish it was. There's no KC beer in New York. Yeah, so, that's a problem. We should have. We should have. You should have packed. We'll have to drive out to KC and get you some I know, more. I, I take know. I did the background though. You got a nice little fireplace, a little stove actually uh, going on back there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a stone fire, uh, stone fireplace, and a stove that heats uh, part of the upstairs of the house. This is the uh, this portion of the house was an addition my grandparents put on later, so they they just heated it with the stove. But the, yeah, it's been it's been great. I would turn the camera so everybody can see the lake. It would just be blinding. Cause it's just yeah. nothing but sunlight. So but it's been it's been great. Started the vacation out in Connecticut, went out to the ocean for a few days, and uh amazing love that. And then we we've been here now for about two and a half weeks. And like I said, I drive home tomorrow. The girls will fly home Saturday. So uh for me it's uh Midwest bound and down tomorrow, about thirteen hours worth. That's okay. So so wait, did
0: the, the, the girls flew and you drove?
1: So on the way excuse me, on the way out. Uh, I drove with Maisie because Steph couldn't get as much vacation time. So she came out separately about a week later with Genevieve. But on the way back, since we're all going back at the same time, why make Maisie sit through 13 hours of a car ride? So she's going to fly back. And I drove. I mean, we're out here for so long. Like, we'd have to check a million bags, and then we wouldn't have a car. Yeah. So, like, I don't mind the drive. It's As crazy as it sounds, it's 13 hours it is four turns from my driveway to my parents driveway
0: how about that yeah that's the magic of uh, miles yeah. it's
1: four turns
0: yeah and so it's easy I love it I love it um hey this is uh we're gonna get through a lot of things today Matt's been out so we want to get his take on some of the big moves that the Chiefs made we're gonna catch up with him on you know Carlos Dunlap Frank Clark yep. Danny Shelton DeAndre Baker getting cut all that we're gonna talk a little Isaiah Pacheco. Who's been a rising star at camp? Nice. Uh, find out what Matt thinks about that and talk about the running back position battle. And then, of course, we've got a game coming up this weekend. So we're each going to talk about three players that we're going to be watching this Saturday when the Chiefs come to Soldier Field. But before that, I got to let you know that the Arrowhead Attic podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Kansas City Beer Company. KC Beer Co. is the largest locally owned brewery in Kansas City. You know this. They brew German style beers, they're all fantastic. I'm a big fan of the Dunkel of the Pure Pills. It's an award-winning brewery with a terrific lineup of brews. You can get it in uh, Kansas and Western Missouri. So look for the red Casey Co. cartons in your local store and support the Arrowhead Attic Podcast by supporting Casey Co. And do us a favor. You guys know the drill. At Casey Beerco on Twitter, give them a shout. Let nice. them know that you heard about our product on the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I was in a meeting with those guys yesterday, in fact. It was great nice. catching up with them. By the way, they're planning a big Oktoberfest. Listen to this, Vertoram. They're planning a big Oktoberfest in October, the weekend of the Monday Night Football game against the Raiders. I mean, I'm feeling road trip, man. It makes all the yep. sense in the world. Um, yeah. Great. So hopefully we can get that going with KC Beerco. Dare to beer different. Please drink responsibly. Of course, 21 and over only. All let right, right, let's, let's catch up with you, man. So a lot went down while you were gone. I feel like you're You're the gif of the guy of of Donald Glover coming back into the house with the pizzas and everything's on fire. Uh, A few big changes, but let's start with the biggest one, which was Carlos Dunlap, which we had talked about. Is this going to happen? He's out there. The Chiefs did it. They pulled the uh, the trigger on this one. Carlos Dunlap, you know, been averaging seven, eight sacks a year, basically steady. He's excited. He wants to come in, play a rotational role here. What's your uh, opinion of this signing and how much better does it make you feel about the Chiefs revamp pass rush?
1: It makes me feel significantly better because I always believe that you have to have good immediate depth. And with all due respect to Mike Dana, who I do think is a rotational player, he's not Carlos Dunlap. So now you, you have Dunlap and Clark who are vets. And you have Karloftis, and we've talked a lot about this. Like As good as Loftus may end up being, it's very, very rare for a rookie edge rusher to come in and have double-digit sacks. Like it's, it's exceedingly rare. Usually guys that do that are like top three picks – Okay, like maybe Aiden Hutchinson will do it this year, but it's very hard, like for that guy who gets drafted twenty seventh to do that. It's just, it's if you go back and look over the last twenty years, you can count on one hand how many guys have done that. So, I like now that that takes some pressure off Carl Loftus. He can ease into the into the defensive scheme. He can be used in some more advantageous situations where he doesn't have to worry about as many responsibilities. And you said it, Dunlap. One thing about him, you go look at his numbers. He's about as consistent as it gets. He's going to have between seven and nine sacks. I mean, that, that's what his career has been over and over and over and over and over. So, I mean, look, I think in the end, I've said all offseason, I think it's their biggest weakness is their pass rush. Dunlap, I think at least makes that go from a weakness to me now to at least they're solid. Is it a strength? Depends on how good Karloftis is. But it's at least solid. It doesn't sound like a disaster now where if Karloftis wasn't good early, that could have been a train wreck. I don't feel like it can be that now with Dunlap being there.
0: If there's a world where Chris Jones returns to double-digit sacks, let's say he gets 12, something like that, and you get eight sacks from Karloftis, seven, eight sacks maybe, which I think would be a really good rookie season for him, and seven, eight sacks from Dunlap, and let's say same thing for – for Frank Clark, he comes in, he gets seven, eight sacks. Are you? How does that work out for the Chiefs?
1: Well, I, I think the goal. I mean, it'd be, it'd be good. I think the goal should be between Dunlap, Clark, and Carl Can you get twenty sacks? Can you get twenty sacks between those three guys? And then with Jones and the other D tackles, can you get fifteen? All told, you know, Stallworth gets a couple. You know, Naughty gets one and a half, two, something like that. Wharton Saunders, can you can you get 50, if you can do that? That's 35 sacks out of your defensive line. And now, look, now you plug in, all right, can you get five from your corners when they blitz, corners slash 80s? Can you get five from your backers? That's 45 sacks. Like, you're a top-ten team in the league if you have that many sacks. And that, you know, people say, okay, well, how much of a difference is Dunlop? Well, if, if he's got eight of those sacks, that's the difference between being fifth, sixth in the league and being 18th in the league. That's a big difference. So I, I, I do think that that is a significant – okay, we both liked Melvin Ingram last year. We both wanted him back. The reality is Melvin Ingram, and and I'm not taking anything away. He played very well for them last year. His sack numbers have not been there the last couple of years. His pressures have been good. The sacks have not been. Dunlap, he gets sacks. And at the end of last year, he was phenomenal. So I, I think that that bodes well that, hey, look, he finished strong. Hopefully he has another good year or two left in him.
0: And, then, and th- something that we talked about while you were gone that is probably an underrated part of Dunlap's game is his ability to bat down passes. He's long. He gets his hands up in the air. We've always talked about how that's a strength of Chris Jones and the difference it can make when guys, hey, they're not getting home, but you bat down the, the, the ball, that's almost as good as a sack. Um, the Chiefs have not – I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I looked it up back when we were talking about it. They have not gotten a lot of batted down passes from their defensive ends over the last few years. So I think if you bring in a guy like Dunlap and he's knocking down four or five balls and help install some drives in addition to getting sacks, that could be a big underrated part of his game that you're adding into the rotation.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, the only guy in recent memory who's gotten a lot of batted balls is, is Jones. Jones is yeah. great. At that. He does it all the time. I mean, hell, in the Super Bowl, he helped him basically win the game by doing it. But yeah. you're right. That's not something they've had. Um, and they're going to need – they're going to need that pressure because early in the year, you've got a lot of moving parts. I mean, even guys like Bolton and Gay, Gay, by the way, it looks unbelievable in camp. But, you know, they, even with that, like Gay is taking on a much bigger role in his third year. This is a guy, I, if I'm not mistaken, I have to go back and look. I think he played like eight games in college. I mean, this is a young guy. Nick Bolton is coming into a second year. He's going to have the green dot. Like, he's got a lot more responsibility this year. You have McDuffie, who's a rookie, Justin Reed, who's certainly not a rookie, but is new to the system. You're asking a lot of guys to play bigger roles. So if you, can, if you can shrink the time that you've got to cover, that you've got to pass guys off in zone coverage, that's going to help. Every every quarter second help, half second help. So I, I would love to see, as Gonzo asks, over under three sacks for McDuffie. I'll say under, but here's why. I really think now that with McDuffie and Fenton, and Fenton has come back, he's off the pup list, I think you, put, you should be putting Snead in the nickel a lot. Yep. He was unbelievable as a blitzer, as a rookie in the nickel. He was a real weapon for them. He was devastating. He had four sacks, but he didn't even play a lot earlier in the year. Like Coming off the edge, he was a problem. He was really, really good at that. So I would love to see them put him in the slot and utilize him, more, especially when you have the matchup outside where you don't think McDuffie's maybe going against a much bigger receiver. You know, Put him inside and, and let him work.
0: I, yeah, I'm really excited about the rotation that they're going to have now. And if Karloff, this is a guy that they hope he can be and they can bring him along quickly, it's going to make a huge difference for this team. So it's knock on wood. Everybody stays healthy during camp. Let's get this whole group in. And I think another thing about a guy like Dunlap is he helps shorten that curve for you're starting a bunch of young guys. You get a few of those veterans in there to help early in the season, stabilize things a little bit, and give those guys a chance to learn sure. You know me. I've been I've been really bullish on uh, my my prediction of four interceptions for Willie Gay. He's back in my place. That he wants to lead lead the league for linebackers and yep. in interceptions. Now you got Carlos Dunlap in the fold. He's going to be tipping some balls up there along with Chris Jones. I'm just I'm not saying I'm just saying. My it's looking a little more possible. By right? the way, I wanted to make a note quick. DeAndre Baker got
1: released um, a couple of days ago. I think that tells you something about what they think of their young corners. They would not have done that. And I and look, I'm not trying to make this out to be something that's not like DeAndre Baker did not play well for them. They took a shot. That's fine. Didn't work out. But he does have experience in the system. And if they really thought that some of these kids couldn't play, they would not have cut DeAndre Baker, not before they played any preseason games. Yeah. The fact that they cut him tells me that they like some of these younger kids. And obviously, McDuffie is, you know, he's going to start, he's going to be there. And he's played very well as camp's gone on. But you wonder, a kid like Williams in the fourth round. Like, you wonder, you know, they, they usually keep five, six corners, okay, They're at least five, sometimes six. Like, Baker wasn't good enough to even make the top six. That tells you at least something to me about what they think about this this quarter, quarterback class. And they did a lot of them in the draft. I believe they did four. Yeah. So, you know, and, and they had, you know, Cook at safety. So they eat. You know, they've got a lot of youth, but apparently they believe in it, at least to the extent that they cut Baker before we even got to a preseason game.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, part of that's them doing Baker a solid. He's a veteran guy. I think that's they like him, came in, did a good job, for you know, did his best for them and give him a chance to catch on with another team before it's too late when they know he's not going to make it. But I think you're absolutely right. Um, that was on our list to talk about. So I think we kind of covered that. Baker out. Um, I wanted to, on the pass rush thing – Frank Clark. So you you were you weren't there for this about how Frank Clark looks in camp. There's a great article written about, uh, and he, you know he talked about it at the podium. Lost 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 weight. Came into camp thinner. Had a had a heart to con- heart. You know I think a lot of people were surprised. I think us included to a degree that he was brought back because we thought Refeach t- emphasized the pass rush. Frank Clark hadn't performed. They could have saved some money by cutting him. Instead they reworked his deal, and a lot of people were concerned about that. But now you hear. And it's not just that he looks better and that he lost weight. People say he actually, the reports out of Camper that he's getting off the ball faster. He looks energized. He stopped drinking, stopped eating red meat, made some other dietary changes. Do you think these, these changes and a refocused Frank Clark, who had a, a frank conversation with Andy about his performance last year, which was that was not good enough, right. does that bear fruit for the Chiefs this season?
1: You know, I normally don't buy into any of that stuff because I, I just think a lot of times it's it's talk and guys are who they are. I will say, though, I watched that entire press conference, which is almost 13 minutes long. That was one of the more open, honest, illuminating press conferences you're ever going to hear from a guy. He just flat out, I wasn't good last year. I was fat. I was drinking liquor, you know, in the offseason. It was hurting me a little bit. I was really impressed with it. Now, does that mean I think he's going to go out and have 14 sacks this year? No, I don't. But I do think – look, let's be real about this. He knows it's contract here. He, I mean, he's he's not a moron. He knows, right? So and, – and he also knows now with Dunlop and Karloftis, like if he doesn't play well and Karloftis and Dunlop do, like he's going to be the third guy in that rotation. That's not helping him get a new contract. So, right. look, I will say this. I am not penciling him in for double-digit sacks, but – the way he's talked and backed it up and the way he's worked with Karloftis after practice on a daily basis, it shows a guy who's all in. Now, how does that play out? I don't know. But, you know, if you had any question about is Frank Clark all in, is he just collecting a check, I think he's shown he's all in. And that that's a good sign. That at least means you're going to get the effort and hopefully it turns into a guy who who plays phenomenal ball for them and makes it hard next year to decide what to do with him. Because if they cut him, they save $19 million bucks next year. So for him not, not to get cut, he's going to have to be phenomenal. Can he do it? Can he do it? Maybe they decide to extend him. Who knows? But he's he's got a lot to prove, and I, I think he's coming in with the right attitude.
0: You know, a lot of guys, are, they're all in once they get to training camp. And so I like that Frank, he made changes before he got to training camp. Right. You know, he came ready to go. He put in the work in the offseason when nobody was watching, when there was no articles getting written about that. Like, he didn't – he didn't start talking about this two months ago. Oh yeah, I'm losing weight. I stopped drinking. He showed up to camp. They asked him what was going on. He was ready. That's a really good sign. And I agree with you. that the, the fact that he's been staying after with Carl Loftus, you know, Frank Clark's the guy he's fallen into the knucklehead territory here for the chiefs over the last few years with some legal issues and some other things. And then he's underperformed. And so a lot of fans are rightfully annoyed and, it's awesome to see. I mean, what, what more can you ask? They brought the guy back. He's one of their best options. Sounds like he's doing everything right to help the Chiefs win this year. And if that bears fruit for him and he's trying to, for whatever his motivations are, a contract, loves Kansas City, whatever it is, he gets out there, he starts racking up sacks and plays like the Frank Clark of old. Uh, that's going to be really good news for the Chiefs, especially with Dunlap and Carl Loftus in the fold. Um, all right, let's. One, one, one last signing. What do you, what do you make of this, the signing of Danny Shelton, first, former first-round pick of the Browns, which Brett Veach seems to love signing former first-round picks, busted picks of the Browns? Uh, does this say anything to you about how he feels about the defensive tackle depth? Eh, kick tires. You know, we
1: know, we know Brett likes these uh, former first-round picks. So why not, right? And it's one of those things, if it doesn't work, who cares? It doesn't matter. He's a run-stuffing D-tackle. He's really a nose tackle. And maybe they look at it and they say, well, we don't have a true nose. I I think they do in Naughty. Like if they want to reduce down and play kind of a 3-4 look, they could do it. I, I think Naughty gives them that. But Shelton's even bigger. So maybe they say, yeah, what the hell, we'll bring in a guy. He can compete with, with, with Saunders. But, yeah, I don't think it hurts. I also don't make any, like, huge – revelatory news out of it like i think it's just one of those things bring him in see what it looks like if it looks good great he you doesn't know, fine move on
0: yeah i agree on that one get him in there see what he can do there's a lot of those types of moves that happen this time of year hey if you like the arrowhead Attic podcast why don't you become uh, a member or at least consider becoming a member of the arrowhead Attic family you know members get access to special emojis and loyalty badges that they can leave during the live youtubes like this one and we also have a private Discord where you can hang out with the Arrowhead Addict hosts, talk cheese football, we talk movies, beer, so much more. Members get invites to private events with the hosts, like virtual happy hours. We did trivia, and we've actually got a couple of fantasy football leagues with the hosts this year, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. Just set those up this week. So check the link in the description, uh, wherever you get this podcast, and we appreciate your support, whether you want to join or not. Um, all right, let's let's move it on to what I've what I have titled. The rise of Isaiah Pacheco. Now, listen, every year there's a guy in camp, not every year, but most years last year was Noah Gray. Hey boy, this guy's turning heads in camp. He looks a lot better than maybe we thought he was going to look. Now the difference between Noah Gray and Isaiah Pacheco is that Noah Gray is playing behind Travis Kelsey. Uh, (laughs) All due respect to Clyde Edwards, not a hall of fame running back yet. So We've talked about it all offseason. The, the running back group is up for grabs. Um, bring in Ronald Jones. You, you got Jarek McKinnon in the mix. Derek Gore, who a lot of people like, myself included. But now Pacheco, I, somebody referred to him, and I forgive me because I don't remember who said this, but basically he's a bigger, faster version of Kareem Hunt. That sounds appealing to the Chiefs fans. I think Albert Breer said that. Was it Breer? Yeah. Um The depth chart is out for this week. It's a preseason depth chart. We all know that that's to be taken with a grain of salt. Like, for example, Rashad Fenton's on the back end of the cornerbacks because he's been on the pop list. Chart. Sometimes, especially early depth charts, you'll see veteran guys get the nod early on that depth chart. Andy yes. Reid's a Wiley coach. He knows he knows he make these guys earn it, all that stuff. Check those on the back end. But the reports coming out from a lot of people are that the Chiefs love him they're really excited about his pass protection, his speed, his effort. What are we looking at here, Berger? And What do you think? Is How is this going to pan out? I mean, I think Ronald Jones,
1: I hope he's renting because I don't think he's making this team. That, that's what I think. Because Clyde is O'Leary, McKinnon, and Pacheco aren't making this team. So are you going to keep a fourth back? And if you are, would it be Gore over Jones and you have Burton too? I don't think Ronald Jones is making this team, so I mean, look, I, now that that could change with an injury or something in a preseason game, but for now, I think it's on the outside looking in. Look, I, I I hesitate to go in. I'm like, hey, he's going to be better than Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt won the rushing title, you know, like right out of the shoot. Okay, I I don't know that I feel that, but. It's notable when day after day after day after day, like, this guy looks amazing. This guy's making all these plays. You know, I, I'm not into, um, I see it. IOFIV says, and doesn't seem to buy into the much preseason hype. No, I do not. I don't. Because I think a lot of it is bullshit. I think a lot of it is just, oh, this guy made an unbelievable catch. Oh, look at that. And then, like, the guy disappears for a week. But you remember the highlight real catch. What I am saying is I, I do think Pacheco, it's almost a daily thing that it's like, wow, he looks great. Look at that catching me. Look at that running me. Look at that. that. makes me pay more attention. And it's at a position where they don't have an entrenched guy there. Like you mentioned, they don't have a Travis Kelsey. It's right. not like they're like, man, this guard looks great. Yeah, well, awesome. Unless they start playing three guards, he's not he's not gonna step on the field. Like, this is one of the rare positions with them. Where if this kid's really, truly just gangbusters, like, he can play. They'll play him. Like, he's, he's got, you know, even even if they want Clyde Edwards-Lair out, there, they'll split carries. So I am intrigued by it. I will say this. If you go back and look, this is a kid who has some size who run a 4-3-7. Like, he's – athletically, he's what you want. And the one thing – and I, I can't remember who I saw. it. It was on my timeline posted clips of him pass blocking. If he can pass block – he will play because let me. Say, that is the one thing I guys have said this all season. I think that's why they brought back McKinnon. You need to be able to pass block as a running back in this offense. You will not play if you cannot pass block. I thought it was an issue for Edwards Alaire on third downs. I think that's why McKinnon's here. If Pacheco can pass block, he will play early because if they believe you can protect Mahomes on a blitz, where you've got to stay in. I mean, look, a lot of times on third down for backs. It's all about a read, right? Like if you if you're in third and five and as a back, okay, you a lot of times walk the line of scrimmage most of the time nowadays. Quarterbacks and gun, and you're you're playing sidecar and you look and it's like, all right, if this linebacker across from you doesn't blitz, then you release out. But if he blitzes, you got to stay in and you pick that guy up and that offensive line is going to let him come free. If you can't block that guy, you are not playing in front of Patrick Mahomes. So I thought that was really impressive and it's really important.
0: Yeah, that's Patrick Mahomes back there. I mean, you damn well better be able to stand up to a blitzing linebacker for you know at least to slow him down and give Pat a chance to to move. Because if he gets creamed one time, you're going to the bench. It's your season. Yeah,
1: that's your season. By the way, the most underrated thing about Jamal Charles was his blocking. Yeah, Jamal Charles could level guys who blitz. And you know what? Like nobody remembers that about him because he was such a great running back, but you know, he would have been able to play all three downs in this offense because you can block. If Pacheco can block, he will see time in this offense. He absolutely will. But it's been interesting to note how they moved them around. They have played him in the slot. They played him outside. Doing It's kind of like how you've seen Sky Moore occasionally go into the backfield. If they're doing that with rookies, Andy Reid is telling you that they feel that these kids can contribute. Yeah. They would not be wasting time with Sky Moore. You're, if you remember – you know who else played in the backfield as a receiver at times when he was a rookie? Tyreek, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, <laughs> Because they got to the point. They're like, he's got to be on the field. We're going right. to use him. And so I can see them doing something similar with Sky Moore based off what they've done in the
0: preseason. I think Sky Moore. I think McCole Hardman as well. You know, McCole, they, they started doing it towards the end of last season. and they, they got some big plays out of him, and they made Good. some pay for the way that they were playing the Chiefs. They rotate those guys through there. You know, and, and sort of like this Debo Samuel type role. Now, none of those guys are, you know, they're not necessarily as big. Right. As, right. You can stand up to some of that, so you don't want to do it too much. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm excited about Pacheco, and I agree with you. I think a really great point you made, this is a wide open position for this team. So forget about it's not just camp hype. If he's playing well, there's an actual runway. For it. It's not somebody like Derice Fountain, who I think everybody really likes, but you're looking at him, you're looking at a team with, with Travis Kelsey or all these established wide receivers, and, yeah, maybe he makes a couple plays and he hangs around in the practice squad, but is he going to be out there lining up? Right. No, he's not going to happen. So um a huge opportunity for Pacheco, and I think we're going to get a good look at him here coming up uh, in this in this preseason game. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much run he gets because you got – you got a couple of veterans there. I think they're probably going to want to get a look at Pacheco, and they're going to want to get a look at um, at Ronald Rojo. Jones, right? Rojo. Because Rojo. they, Rojo. It, you know, as you pointed out, they seem to have a decision about Ronald Jones. Like they know they got Derek Gore, right? Like at this point. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see. Uh, do you think Rojo is is he in trouble? I, mean, I guess you already said it. He's, a, I don't he's, think he's in trouble. trouble. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Know. I think this is going to be a Carlos Hyde situation.
1: If you're them, why? What, what point is it? What's so you have the ball three times a game? Yeah. I, mean, I you know, and he's got fumbling issues. I mean, you know how I I when he was one of the one he, few guys. With all due respect to him, I was not a huge fan of that signing. I did not. I, I don't like that he fumbles the ball. I don't like that he's not a great receiver out of the back. But like to me, if you're the Chiefs, you, all your back should be able to catch the football. Every one of them. Yep. And say whatever you want about Clyde edwards and I've not been always a huge fan. He can catch the ball, and McKinnon can catch the ball. And Gore, even when they threw into it, they catch the ball. But I will also say, Ronald Jones, for all that being said, is a solid NFL running back. If he's not making your team, your running back room is pretty damn deep. Yeah. Like if that guy's not on the on the roster, it's pretty good for a team that nobody thinks has any running back. But it's pretty solid.
0: Yeah, uh, Adam Best, founder of Arrowhead Addict, co-founder, was on the show last with me last week, and he t- he was he's really bullish on Ronald Jones because he thinks he's a good straight ahead runner and he's gonna get he's going start getting those early down carries behind this chiefs offensive line he's just going to hit holes but I'll tell you man if Isaiah Pacheco is that fast and he's got good good enough field vision to where he's hitting those holes right he's a home run hitter and and and, and I was doing some, some I was watching some scouting videos of him at Rutgers and the thing about his line at Rutgers was they sucked his guards—they well, all suck. Yeah, his guards yeah. couldn't get to the spot. So one of the knocks on him was he didn't have as much patience. But you got a guy out there playing in the Big Ten, trying to make something happen, knowing his guards aren't going to get to the spot in time. So that—that's going to lead to a little bit of impatience, no?
1: Well, you know what? If I'm the Chiefs, Pacheco or otherwise, I'd rather have a home run hitter who's my running back on this team because I don't need a guy who's out there getting a game of three. I just don't. Like if they're going to get a game of three, I'd rather throw the damn thing. Like I'd rather have a guy back there who I know is liable at any point against a light box to go the distance. Yep. Like you need, look, you need somebody as a running back on the Chiefs who scares the other team. When that guy gets the ball, it's a, he, he'd be gone. That, that is to me more valuable for them, based off of what they are as a team. Like I would rather have that guy who maybe has games or eh, whatever, but then other games like, oh my god, he got loose around the end, he was gone for 80 yards. Nobody can catch him. I, you know, I don't. I don't need them to have Mike Cloud, you know, falling forward for three. Like yeah. I don't I don't need that. I I'd rather have the guy in Pacheco, who they crease a guy, and all of a sudden it's like he makes a safety miss, he's gone. That's why I like Derek Gore, honestly. Definitely. Like Gore can do that at times where he can get it out to the second, third level, and all of a sudden it's like man, he makes a guy miss, it's over. It, yeah. He's gone. Well, Pacheco's faster than Gore is. So I, I would I would like to see. Him. I'm very curious. I'm sure we'll see him playing on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm excited for the young guys, and all things being equal, and all due respect to Ronald Jones, it, this works out better for the Chiefs if this year their best running backs are Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, it just this with, with yeah. a Jerick McKinnon in there. So, um, all right, let's, let's move it on a little bit. Uh, let me pull up the old outline here. So, um, before we do, uh, did you know we got swag at Arrowhead Attic swag? So check out the link in the description and Rock's Arrowhead Attic podcast swag. Uh, it's going to start getting cold pretty soon, unfortunately. So check out that um, champion hoodie, and of course, if you're going to try to hit the links a few more times, Sterling Holmes, our co-host, rec- recommends that Adidas golf hat. All right, um, let's get to the Bears game. Did she's play football this weekend for um, yep. I'm not going to the game. I, I thought about it, and then I thought about how much I hate trying to get to Soldier Field. It's a nightmare yep. by by car or by foot. It's it's horrible. Uh, I thought about the ridiculously cramped upper deck concession area, um, the steep upper deck, all of it. The fact that it'll, it'll, the sun will be beaten down on me, and then I'll probably get to see Patrick Mahomes throw two passes. So yep. I decided uh, I'm going to watch it on TV, and I'm going to do the Arrowhead Attic Podcast post-game show so we can break down all the action. Um, so I want you all to know I'm making a little bit of a sacrifice for you. Um, you're going to be driving uh, back, and you're going to be tired, so, uh, Saturday, I, I assume you're not planning to go out there either.
1: No. I, uh, I debated it. But my main thing was they're going to play the starters for, like, 10 minutes. So, oh, mother just rolled in. Thank you. Um, I, I think, you know, if they're going to play the starters for 10 minutes. That's going to be the end. Of it. Like, I, and if I'm watching to actually, like, analyze these younger kids, you have a better shot of doing it on television. You know, then you do up in the – like you said, up in the upper deck in the corner at Soldier Field or up in the press box where you're, – you're up in the press box. but I got to tell you, if you've ever been to Soldier Field press box, and I have many times, depends where you're sitting. That thing runs the length of the field. You could be all the way in the corner and you can't see crap. So I – look, I'd rather just – after driving 13 hours, I'd just sit down, watch a game on TV, and just take it all in. And like you said, we can go on and we can do this
0: afterward and, and we can, uh, you know, talk it all up. Yeah, drink some KC beer. All right, so um, we're going to do each do three players that we're going to be watching in particular for this game. Uh, do you want to kick us off with your first player, Vernoram? Yeah, I mean, for me,
1: I'm really, really curious um, how McDuffie plays. I think he's the most important rookie that they have, and that's not taking away anything I mean, from Carl Optus, who probably actually would have been my pick, but because they added Dunlap. Um, I think McDuffie is the most impactful. If he's not good, then they've got to do all these things to kind of cover for it. If he is good, then all of a sudden you've got these corners who can all play. You've got deep safety play, and now you can do a whole lot of different things with your spags.
0: The the current um, depth chart actually has McDuffie as the backup punt returner. Yeah, that's kind of old school for 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 a guy that would be starting, like you know, that would be a starter for you. How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't like. I don't like. It makes me nervous just seeing his name down there. I don't care if if they think that he can do that. Fine, put him in the game.
1: I, you know what, Pacheco's a returner too. They've got him lined up as a top returner. I That's fine. I am all for it, man. Look, I always felt that way about Tyree Hill. Now, look, if McDuffie becomes an All Pro like Tyree killed, and okay, maybe not so much. But for now,
0: put him back there. Let it rock. I did. I did. Used to get annoyed when the Chiefs were in tight spots. That they would not put Tyree Kill in to return kicks uh, it just kind of drove me nuts. Like some like sometimes they'd put him in as a punt returner. But I mean, like, that dude, get the ball in his hand. That's it, Like playoff games. I'm, I'm talking about high-leverage yep. games they needed to win. I, I thought maybe they were a little too care. I get it on one hand, but you know, use that guy. Um in the ball. yeah. All right, my, so my first one is uh is is isaiah pacheco and of course we, we already talked about him quite a bit but i just i'm really interested to see all right great you got all this camp hype now you look at this you go back and look at his numbers at Rutgers. you're not going to see anything that's going to be blowing your eye um but he didn't get a ton of carries didn't play for a bad team didn't have a good offensive line now you get to see him behind at least maybe for a couple of snaps if I, that'll be interesting too is does he get any does he get any run behind that starting offensive line, but at any rate, it's going to be an NFL caliber offensive line um, when those backups are in there. So I'm really excited to see what he does. And can he go out in a game situation? I think the chiefs are probably really interested to see that too. All right. You're great in practice. All right. You're great in pads. Now you're out there, you're getting hit. Um, Now you've got to make those quick decisions. People are trying to, people are fighting for their lives. I mean, he's going to be going up against guys who are going to be trying to make plays, trying to make teams. So I'd be really interested to see how he does. So that's why I'll be watching with my first player. Who's your number two?
1: Number two, Sky Moore. Sky Moore has been really impressive ball camp. And he's been working with Mahomes since before camp when they were in Texas together at Mahomes' uh, home base, so to speak. Sky Moore is another guy who normally it's like, all right, well, you have Hill and then you've had Watkins for years. And so you're like fighting for the third spot in the, in the, in the peck corner. You're not this year. Sky Moore could be the fourth receiver on the team. He could be the first receiver on the team. I'm really interested. Like, that, again, another guy who has made plays over and over and over and over. Okay. And that he he's somebody who some people thought to be a first-round pick. So I'm very curious. What is he right out of the gate? And, by the way, he could be mediocre this year and could be great a second year. But Like, what, what is he right now? My whole thing was coming into this year, okay, you've got Smith-Schuster, you've got MVS, you've got Kelsey. And then – You've got Hardman, and those four guys are going to be your main pass catchers, and Moore's going to kind of learn. Well, if Moore's that damn good right off the bat, he's going to play. One thing about Andy, if he believes in you, you will play. So I'm curious to see how Sky Moore looks, and, and let's be real too. These teams aren't game planning for this game. The Chiefs do not care if they win, but the Bears are not good. Like the Chiefs could reasonably go out here and smack the Bears around if they play well even without a game plan. So I'm curious to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, I'm going to stick with your theme here. Um, right now, Sky Moore is, you know, he's, he's third, fourth on the depth chart with uh, Nicole Hardman behind Juju and MVS. So he's doing well. And, and behind them is a guy uh, that I've – is, is Darius Dur- uh, Fountain um, on, on one side and Justin Watson on the other. And in your fourth string in this initial depth chart, which, again, take with a grain of salt, is a player that I'll be watching – who is Josh Gordon. Um, Josh Gordon's a guy that, you know, everybody, he gets talked about a lot because of the name recognition, didn't do much for the Chiefs last year, but they brought him back. Now that could tell you something about how they feel about him, but it also could just tell you that at the time they didn't know what they were doing with their wide receiver core. They bring back Josh Gordon, he knows the system, but it seems like he's got long odds to make a team. The fact that he was – He's now behind the rookie and he's behind Watson is not a good sign for him. So I'll be keeping an eye on him because this is probably his last chance. He's really going to have to show. Yeah, I don't think he's making the team, man. I don't think so either. I think think they're so happy with MVS, with Juju, with Hardman and Sky Moore. And then you got this guy Watson. He comes in and he can play special teams. And if Gordon's not a special teams asset, I mean, they've got him behind Fountain as well right now. So well,
1: Fountain, Fountain can play specials.
0: Yep, yep.
1: That ma- that like, when you get to those fifth and sixth receiver spots, that almost is what matters more, quite honestly. That matters more than if, if you're a tick better as, a, as an offensive. Who cares?
0: The fifth receiver in the team. While we're on a – just before we get to our last players here, while we're on that depth chart, one thing that kind of jumped out at me was that uh, Jody Fortson is is the fourth – He's behind. So it's Travis Kelsey, Blake Bell, yep. Noah Gray, and Jody Fortson. And we've been talking about, hey, you know, maybe Blake Bell doesn't make the team this year. Yeah, looks like he's in good position. Yeah, mean, he's looking good right now. Um, do you think that that is an Andy doing the nod to the veteran thing or a Andy wants his blocking tight end? And- Jody's been around.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's Joe, I think it's a Jody's been hurt thing. And, yeah. you know, there's that old saying in the NFL, you know, you can't make the club in the tub. Well, that's that's a true – there's a reason that's been a saying for a long time in the NFL. Yeah. It's true. I am rooting for Jody Fortune. I, I am. But, look, you know what? He's going to have to step up. He's going to have to step up to get the job done. I see Gonzo asking, is Roquan Smith going to play? I highly doubt it. He has not practiced once for the Bears. I don't think he's playing this game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting for Jody. Noah Gray, a guy, obviously, that they drafted that looked good in camp last year. haven't heard a ton about Noah Gray at this camp myself. It- um so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but it seems like i mean do you do you see a situation where the chiefs keep four tight ends it's possible
1: uh, they did it once if memory serves if i remember it with andy they did it once but i if usually usually okay so when you have a 53 man roster you have your three special guys right you have kick your kicker, your punter your snapper and then most of the time it'd be 25 offense 25 defense I mean, who are you taking away from? Would you keep one less offensive lineman? You know, maybe you could. You know, would you? I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll keep one less receiver. And the way the backs are, you keep one less back, and you have a million guys. So, yeah. I don't. I don't think so. Is it impossible? No, but I would trend toward no. I don't think that they would do that.
0: It's going to be fascinating. Uh, could come down to a battle between Gray and Fortin to make the team. So we'll have to see how all sure. that plays out. Um, all right. Who is your last player that you're going to be watching?
1: Leo chanel I am interested in him. That guy reminds me of the dudes in the replacements who just hits everything that moves. Um, I want to see what he looks like. I, I feel like it's hard for a kid like him to stand out in camp because he You can't go full tilt and just kill somebody. I mean, I know they play lives roles and stuff, but you don't want to knock your your own teammate in the next month, Um, especially as a rookie. Like the last thing you want to do is like injure an important player. So, I'm very curious to see how a guy like him him and by the way, I almost said Brian Cook because of his physicality too. Like, what do those guys look like now that you're playing another team and you can use max force? when that's kind of your calling card and you haven't been able to maybe do that comfortably in the first you know, couple of weeks years you've been in camp.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of people are really interested to see him out there. Um, and somebody was asking in the chat earlier how he has played in camp. And what we've been hearing is, is basically what you, what is advertised loves football, loves to go out there and hit crush skulls. Um, the question is, you know, how fast does he pick up the Spagnuolo defense? Right. Can he can he get in there as a rotational piece help out in the run game? I think uh, it's going to be interesting to watch him. Um, my last player is a little off the wall, uh, but a guy I've been a fan of just because of his name, DiCaprio Boodle. Now, let me tell you why. I know the Chiefs invested a lot in corner. But DiCaprio Boodle, he hung around last year, actually got some playing time, led the Chiefs in tackles for the game against the Steelers uh, when they had a bunch of guys out with COVID. And when the depth chart came out, now again, take take this with a grain of salt because Fenton was Fenton was in the back end because he had been injured. But the the, the current right. depth chart is Sneed, McDuffie, Joshua Williams, and then Boodle. Right. So you're obviously sliding Fenton in ahead of them. Um, but I'm interested to see him. He's an he's an interesting player. Obviously out in Nebraska. Um, watched some tape on him as well. He's a guy that. And, and Spagnuolo likes this in corners, can play a little bit of that hybrid corner safety, um, does some, does some man, did some man coverage at Nebraska. And there's some good clips of him in games against Ohio State coming down and tackling really well not being afraid to tackle, sticking his head down a little bit like Legarius Sneed, and, and that's probably why they played him a little bit in the safety position as well. Um, he actually slid in and played safety when a guy got ejected for targeting. So I just think he's an interesting guy. Obviously, the Chiefs like him a little bit. They kept him around. Do you think they end up in a position where he maybe sneaks into that that last cornerback slot? It's possible. I mean, yeah,
1: they, like I said, they've got a lot of young guys at corner. So I, I really think, like, of all the positions, the preseason play, that's probably the one that might dictate who makes those last couple of spots. You know, like, even at running back, I, I think unless, like, one of these guys gets hurt, I think you kind of know what you have at this point. Corner's a little different. You know the top three guys. I think Williams is pretty safely the fourth guy. But those last two spots, it's anybody's game. I really believe that. Like, I really think, it's just hey, who comes out and plays well? And unfortunately, too, there's always injuries in the preseason. It happens. Guys get hurt. It it, it happens every year. Some team loses a guy who really matters. But even even if you lose a guy who's toward the back end of the roster, that opens up a spot. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot of unanswered questions to corner for them.
0: It's going to be fascinating to watch all these young guys. Okay, before we get out of here, I I was um I was watching. You ever watch Wedding Crashers? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I would never realized this before because of our love of Count Chocula. But do you remember? There's a line. Owen Wilson actually has a line in that movie where. He's sort of dressing down uh, Vince Vaughn, and he says, you know, you're acting like a child, he, and then he calls him Peter Pan, Count Chocula, and I just absolutely lost it. I, I dug up the clip, and I think I tweeted it out, um, tagged you in it. It's a great movie, and that line's absolutely hilarious, but I was a little bit annoyed that they were using uh, Count Chocula pejoratively. Listen, I'm glad, you know, any any,
1: uh, any attention is good attention. and Yep. This whole season for us is a failure if we don't get some rep from General Mills on the podcast to explain the horrific decision to just have that on uh, the shelves during the Halloween season. Like, I am willing to go after the man responsible for this decision, or, or woman, I, verbally, of course. But I, I'm willing to go after that person and say, hey, look, this is a travesty of a decision. Yeah. Like cinnamon Toast Crunch they're, they're not trotting that out just in March. Right. Like, who the hell came up with this? Yeah. Or, or, or people just not buying it
0: in January? Right. It's it, it's so much better than a lot of the cereal on the shelves. It's on the, the shelves regularly. And it's like, okay, fine, I get it. You want to trot out booberry and make it seasonable? Fine. All right. But count chocolate, and we're in we're getting into count chocolate season. I we mean, know. I'm start, I'm start already starting to look for it. I know they had it at Meyer last year, so that's my connect this okay. year. So i gotta, I got I to run to Menards this weekend anyway. Meijer's waiting next door. I'm going to get over there, see if I can stock up. I gained weight last fall because I ate so many of those. Exactly. Uh, the one thing I'll say about those monster cereals, they're not low in calories, but they are high in sugar.
1: I, I, uh, I've been on vacation for about 23 days now. And so when I go home, I'm going to have to grease the door jams. Um, yeah. It has been a wonderful time, but my body's ready to quit. So I uh, I need to go home, and the first thing I'm going to do after I sleep Friday night is before the Chiefs game, I'm going to go to the gym, and I'm just going to be sweating, you know, like chocolate, beer, and whatever the hell else, ice cream. It, yeah. It's it's really it's a shame is what's yeah. going on over here, but I, I'm going to get into the gym. and People, my God, what the hell happened? People are going to be <laughs> taking right. up a collection, but uh, I, it
0: is what it is. I got to tell you, there's a place down here. I tweeted some pictures of it. It's uh, on the South side of Chicago. It's a family owned business called munchies and it's a cereal bar. And it's like three minutes from my house. I've gone in there a couple of times, had a bowl, but here's not only do they have cereal and they have their own concoctions. Like they'll mix different types of cereals for you, serve it up with like colored milk. It's a lot of fun. You feel like a kid. They got candy in there. Miss Pac-Man, like pretty much everything you'd want. Uh, But they also do milkshakes and all of their milkshakes are made with cereal, they're cereal inspired. So I got this one. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was graham crackers um, and, the, and the and the graham cracker cereal. What the hell is it called? It just flew out of my brain. Um, uh, golden grams, golden grams. Yeah, it's made. It was made with golden grams and like caramel sauce and whipped cream. Veram. It was the single greatest milkshake I've ever had in my entire life. It's it beautiful. was unbelievable. They put in a whole pieces of graham crackers, uh, the golden grams. Absolutely delicious. They had – Mag got one with – it was made with crunch berries. I was a little bit like, oh, how's that going to be? Crunch berries, vanilla ice cream, fantastic. Um, if you're in Chicago, you're on the south side of Chicago, you got to get over to Munchies. Um, let me know if you're going. I'll, I'll go with you. I'll buy your milkshake. Um, but that sounds You get awesome. you out here, Vertoram. You got to go to this place. I this do. I heaven. You're
1: right. I do. You know, there's a place – this has nothing to do with, with cereal. But when I first moved to Chicago – I went out with certain coworkers of ours um, and, and went out at, at night. These, is, these are the single days. And after a few drinks, we um, would end up at this one place. You might know the name of it. I'm sure you've been there. Um, it's a grilled cheese place. It's, like, famous in Chicago. Oh, che-
0: cheesy's Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. And they make, like, any combination. Like, just like, mac and cheese, grilled cheese. Like, it's the kind of thing that at 3 o'clock on a Tuesday, you're like, oh, I can't. I can't. I can't. But at like 3 a.m. on a Saturday, you're like, absolutely yes, two of them. It's it's unbelievable it's so popular you have to take a number. Oh, like man. it's yeah. it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, and I have not gone there in God six years now, five six okay. years. But man, alive, that food. There are some great spots. I mean, Chicago. One thing about it, say whatever you want. Like there's there's no shortage of good places to eat in Chicago.
0: No, especially bar food. Um, quick, quick, reader question before we get out of here: uh, Does does Shane Bouchelle from, from Jaden? Does Shane Bouchelle become a quarterback too? He's looking really good. Good, he could. I mean, Henny's older and he's a year-to-year
1: guy, so they could. They could make that move. I, I mean, look, they like him. They protected him last year, so they do like him. Um, does, you know, I think he's got a lot to gain in the preseason. I put it that way. Uh, by the way, I saw uh, Mike Tavner was asking if I've heard anything about why Brady's taking time away from the camp uh, with the Bucks. I have not. I mean, it's personal matter. Um, I would not even speculate. I, I don't know. I don't know. I know he's out for the next week, but no, I don't know. You've had, he's missed a little time. You've had Burrow out with the appendectomy, who hasn't been able to practice much this, this summer as, as he's recovering. Um, by the way, the one thing we did not talk about, or at least I haven't talked about because I haven't been around lately. You know, injuries, I always say, if you don't get injured in the preseason as a team, you win. I don't care what your record is, what the score of the games were, none of that stuff means anything. There have been two injuries to me this offseason so far that are are significant. Tim Patrick of the Broncos being out for the whole year, that is a big injury. He is their best receiver on that team outside of Cortland Sutton. And they all have injury histories, and not having Tim Patrick there matters. That team is going to run as Wilson and those receivers run. Not having him is a big loss. And Ryan Jensen, the center for the Buccaneers, the all-pro center, who is out for, if not the whole year, a, a lot of it, um, that is a huge, huge loss for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I I would argue that outside of Brady and maybe Mike Evans, he's the most important player on that offense. To lose him is a devastating situation. Like, do I think Tampa is now, like, not going to make the playoffs? No. But it does affect my opinion of Tampa. That is a huge loss. And for for Denver, look, I've always said all season, I don't know what Denver's going to be, but I'll tell you what, to me, like, Denver's a wild card in the AFC. That could be the difference between them making and not making the playoffs. You're really – like, that could be worth a game, which, you know, if you're if you're Buffalo, maybe that means the difference between winning 12 and 13 games. If you're Denver, that might mean the difference between winning 9 and 10. That difference is more important. So, Zach, good to see you too. Thank you for not firing me while well. I've been on vacation.
0: Um, <laughs> you you think Pat's Pat better than Judy
1: over in Denver? I, I do. Yeah, I do think he's better than Judy. Um, he's more fit. Like Judy had one year, we had like eight hundred some odd receptions, but he had like a million targets. I think Judy's upside is probably higher, but he's—I don't—he's not as accomplished as Patrick. That is a—it's a big loss, man. Like that, you know. I I think because you you know it's Tim Patrick and he's not maybe a Pro Bowler or whatever, but if you actually watch Denver, he's a huge part of what that team does offensively. That is—that's significant. I think Jensen's the most – and I saw somebody else say uh, "Makai Becton. Chris Albright said it. Makai Becton is a big injury. The reason I left him off is – with due respect to him, um, the Jets just aren't good. So I don't think it's going to have like, a huge impact on the season overall. Where Patrick, I think, will and, – and Jensen's absolutely good. Think about if you're the Bucs. As great as Brady is, what is the one thing Brady does not do well? What's the one thing? Move. Can't move. Well, you, you've <laughs> – Marpet is an, is an all pro level guard. He retired. Okay. Alex Kappa left for Cincinnati, and now Jensen's gone. Those are your three interior linemen. How'd that work out for Kansas City when all that crap happened to them a couple years ago? Okay. Now they brought in Shaq Mason from the Pats to solidify one of those guard spots. They are still very weak inside now without Jensen and Marpet. That is a big, like, I, I would tell you unequivocally if I'm the Bucs, I'd rather have great interior linemen than great tackles. I'd rather have both, and they have very good tackles, by the way, in Smith and worse But I'd rather – you can always step in away from the edge-rushing pressure right. if your tackles are even borderline decent, okay? When you've got – how many times last year did Mahomes step into the pocket and there was just all kinds of room? Nobody could touch him. It didn't matter that, you know, maybe Brown gave up a little bit of the edge or Wiley gave up a little bit. So, and – You can always chip with the back on the edge it is a lot harder to give help on the interior it's a lot harder so i think for i think for the the bucks that is that's a real problem like that's a real real problem the chiefs obviously then week four jensen will not play in that game like what do you do with chris jones because i'll tell you right now jensen was a huge part of how they were going to get chris jones in that game now what are you going to do but that's a problem that's a really big problem to watch in tampa bay
0: We'll cross our fingers and hope none of those injuries bite the Chiefs. Mike asked, uh, uh, when do we get an Arrowhead Attic Fantasy Football League? We've got two of them going for Arrowhead Attic members. Uh, so right. We've we got everyone in that signed up. Uh, uh, so that's a great way to get involved. All right, got to get out of here, everybody. Burram's got a long drive ahead of him, and to the end of his vacation. He's got a few more beers to drink. Hey, enjoy the rest of your time out there, out east, buddy. We'll see you soon back here in the Chicagoland area. And we'll see all of you. On Saturday, after the game, as soon as it's over, we'll be here uh, and we're going to be talking Chiefs. We're going to break down all the action for you. Again, if you're interested in becoming a member of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, check out the link in the description. We'd love to to meet a lot more of you as we head into the season in the private Discord so you can get in on all the fun. Uh, But otherwise, we appreciate your support. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Chiefs.